0: Welcome to the Word Up Podcast, where we discuss all things tech in Israel from the perspective of a technical writer. Doesn't sound interesting? Well, you can go ahead and leave. Just kidding. Stick around because I think I'm going to make a very compelling case why you should care about technical writing. Welcome back to the Word Up Podcast. Uh, so last episode, we discussed how to identify what type of writer you're going to need to start off your technical writing team or your content management team, uh, and we also reviewed some of the do's and don'ts of rec- recruiting. So hope you had a chance to internalize that, uh, really think about it, digest it, and uh, we're going to start to put it into practice. So last time I mentioned that I, that I was going to speak about some management styles, some tips, trip tips, tricks, and best practices for managing... But I decided to keep it a little light, a little airy this time, and uh, discuss technical documentation tools. Don't worry, we're going to make this interesting just like we always do. We're, of course, going to have our LinkedIn segment and Time to Retire segment, so stay tuned for those at the end. Um, there are a couple of important questions to ask when you're picking a documentation tool. Um, now, you see that the title of of this episode is Tools are for Fools, and that should be read with a Mr. T accent. Um, pretty much the tool is just that. It's a tool. It shouldn't drive your decision-making process. Uh, it shouldn't be the end-all and be-all of of, uh, of what you're looking for. The tool should fit the purpose. So what we're gonna do is review some of the questions that you need to be asking yourself and the team should be discussing um, when picking a documentation tool, a Doc Center, anything like that. So let's start off first with what type of product do you have? Um, well, it might seem kind of basic. Um, are you on prem? Are you SaaS? Um, are you a platform? What what exact, What what type of tool do you have? The first place, the first thing that I would do is start to do a little research. Right. Remember, we said last time we discussed. Uh, you know, everyone thinking outside the box, but we also need an inside the box thinker. So you you want to find room for innovation, but you also want to stay within the bounds of what other people in the industry are doing. Okay. Uh, it's. Uh, I always. You're going to see me bring lots and lots of uh, food and recipe analogies. Whenever I go to look for a new recipe for something I've never made before, I look at uh, you know five, six, seven recipes for the same dish find out what's common between all of them. And I take that as the baseline that really, okay, that's what has to be in this dish. And then you can play around with whatever's uh, optional in each one, whatever whatever mi- switches around in each one. that That's where you're your room to be creative. So I would do some good market research on what the tech docs of your competitors and people in your field are doing. Let's start off with a very basic question. Is their documentation public or private? If everyone has their documentation private, well, it's a pretty... There's probably a pretty good reason. There's probably some, um, IP, some intellectual property issue behind that. They don't want to, they don't want to disclose. Um, and well, if everyone is public, but your docs are not ready to, to be public yet because they're not complete. They don't look good. They're not written well. Then definitely keep them private. Okay. So just on this very basic thing, you have to be in line with your industry, what other people are doing so that you're not too far outside the box. Okay. Um, just like platforms, just like websites, there's almost like a template, like a style that people are used to seeing that users are used to seeing. It's the same way with documentation. You don't want to be too far outside the box. or they're going to feel like there's a big change between your product and the docs or between one, one tool or vendor they're using and another, it should create some sort of unified experience. Doesn't have to match perfectly, obviously, but it should be some sort of unified experience. Um, when they when they switch to your to your product from from other products, so that's the first question to ask. And the second question really is, who are your customers? Okay, are your customers end users that uh, that are not very techy? Are your are your customers DevOps engineers who prefer um, you know techy? The who your user is is going to probably be the biggest driver in which documentation, what tool you choose to use. We'll get into pricing and, and, and everything later, but, but really the idea behind this is technical and other documentation, let's not forget, is written so end users can successfully and quickly succeed with your product, okay? Quickly and successfully succeed with your product um, in as little time as possible. That's the goal of technical documentation. So the tool, whatever you choose, should match that goal and be in line with that goal. Let's put it this way. If you've ever looked at something like Slack documentation or Slack's release notes, okay, the end users and the people expecting are expecting g- great messaging, funny, light, airy um, release notes. Um, I remember a couple months ago, they sent a release note that said, hey, we don't have anything to report. We just wanted to check in and make sure you're doing okay. So that is that is their brand, that's their thing. And uh, their documentation center is very colorful um and, and fun. It matches their brand. So if you are, you know, a cybersecurity company, cloud security company, uh and and uh you're a little bit more of a serious product, you know, you don't wanna necessarily Have your documentation look like it's in the nineties, but, um, you, your, your documentation center should match who your product is. And I say who your product is and should, it should be in line with that. So in the same way, your customers, your customers have to be able to identify with your documentation center and how your docs, uh, look. Okay. The next question. Um, so just to recap, we've already, covered what type of product you have and why that's important. The questions your team should be asking who your customers are. And then the the next important part is now that I've identified who my customers are, who are the people that are going to be reading this? Because let's be honest, nobody reads technical documentation on a Saturday night over a glass of red wine. Okay. They're reading this when they need to do something with your product, then they need to learn about your product. The third question we should ask when picking a documentation tool or doc center is what experience do your customers expect and what experience do you want to deliver? Meaning, do you want to only provide documentation that answers how to you want them to go to you for tr- to, to it for troubleshooting? Um, do they need installation guides upfront? Uh, do they need lots of conceptual information to understand uh, difficult topics that they might not know about before? Um, think about. Uh, I think the best example out there today, in my opinion, of of a technical product that does an excellent job um, of going from zero to hero with their product is Docker. They're they're getting started tutorial. will have you from not having um, any Docker images um, running and by the end, you're going to have it up and running. Okay, it's not going to be very advanced and you're not going to be able to do much with it, but it's up and running. Um, they do a very, very good job of documentation. And I think their documentation is the perfect balance between you know, like utilitarian, like it serves its purpose, but also looks good um, and is easy to use and, uh, and it speaks for itself. I think they did a very good job of delivering what their customers are looking for. I think Slack does a very good job of delivering what their customers are looking for. Um, so make sure you know who your customer is, what they're looking for, and the, and the experience you want to deliver. Now, if your customers are people who are not going to know how to use your product, right, the, for, I, mean, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, and you need to create a self-service experience, you need to create an onboarding experience where they're going to gain confidence in this, and that, then your documentation should match that. Make sure your documentation center and your tool enable you to deliver the experience that your customers expect and that you want to deliver. Okay, this is very rarely talked about, especially in the technical writing community. Sometimes, uh, I, I, you know, I have to admit it, sometimes technical writers can get caught up on tools um, when they really, when they really shouldn't. Imagine a bunch of chefs sitting around the table and all they talk about is what kind of knives they use instead of what kind of dishes they're creating and experiences they're creating for, for their, uh, for their customers. It would be the same thing. Okay, the next thing to think about is who's going to own this tool? Okay. Again, I'm probably, you know, I'm talking to you, you're probably an early stage startup, a small company. Um, Ideally, in a perfect world, I love open source documentation. I love writing in Markdown as light as possible. The problem is I don't have the ability to manage servers on my own to keep that going. So if I don't have someone on my team that can handle the back end of an open source project of like a static site generator, um or someone I don't have someone dedicated in DevOps who's going to be able to do that then that's not really an option so now we're getting into the to the nitty-gritty of it so let's talk about these you have everything from open source uh, you know you have uh, like static site generators uh, with documentation managed and you know you could do any sort of git repository github whatever um, doc, you know some of the more famous the more common ones are Jekyll docusaurus uh, there are a few more. They all pretty much serve the same purpose. They generate a very basic type of um, of doc center, and then you can always customize if you have, again, here we go with who's gonna own it. If you have a dedicated front-end developer who's gonna be able to make your doc center look great, then this is a wonderful, wonderful option, but it's going to be resource heavy, especially for a small company. Um, if you want a more, if you want a hosted solution, but something still very basic, there are lots of solutions out there. Okay. Again, it's going to give you very minor, uh, very basic amounts of customization. So that's something you have to think about. Um, but it should allow your writers to get run up and running pretty quickly. Um, if you go with something that's a little too basic or something that doesn't, you know, doesn't give you what you need. No, no offense. I just haven't had great experiences with Confluence as a technical documentation tool. Um, then, you know, be aware that maybe that might not be the one for you. Uh, then you get into the more heavy, the heavier tools, things that require uh, an incredible amount of investment uh, in terms of financially uh, and also in time and effort, right? You're talking about the single source XML-based uh, documentation tools that a lot of technical writers will will uh, talk about. Um, usually in an early stage startup, this is not required. It's a little bit, I would say, of overkill. So, um Think about what you're going to need. Okay. But this takes us and and who's going to own it? Because it's going to take a lot of resources um, to, to manage these tools sometimes. So make sure you have the resources you need. Now, in the on the the open source ones are pretty much free. The only investment financially you have to make is if you want to customize or um uh you know however much it you know cost to keep your servers up. That's minimal. Hosted solutions can be several thousands of dollars a year check them out and the heavier tools that we talked about with with uh, CMS or CCMS and you have to buy the seats and all this, you can get up to the tens of thousands of dollars um, per year. And then if you're talking about, you know, the, uh, the Rolls Royces, the ones that could deliver a complete help center experience that with federated search across all your, you know, then you're talking potentially into the six figures. So you have to figure out what is going to be good for you. Now, the the you have to think about what kind of docs you want to have okay are you do you want a knowledge base are you going to be creating documentation just from Zendesk Freshdesk uh, Salesforce wherever wherever you're managing your ticket service now or are you also going to have technical documentation Do you want the two to be in in a federated search? That means that a single search will be able to query both databases and return return results. Is your customer success going to be managing the the knowledge base? Is the technical like the technical documentation? The tech docs writer is going to be managing the tech docs. So you need to think about these things because quickly there will be friction, not necessarily in a bad way, just who owns this? How am I getting the knowledge? You don't want the knowledge to be siloed, um, which another spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about, um, knowledge silos in, uh, in a coming episode. So, um, and then currently maybe you don't have an API right now, but you plan on an API pretty soon. So it would be a shame if you picked a tool that doesn't have the ability, um, to, to, to publish, uh, you know, stellar API documentation. Um, there are dedicated tools for that. There are ones where you can just, um, generate your swagger file and upload it. So you have to think about really not just what you need now, but what you're going to need in the future and pick your tool. You don't want to be retooling every year. Uh, it's a very bad practice and it's a very high investment, in, um, in terms of resources to do migrations. It's, and, uh, it's just really unnecessary with a, with good planning. Um, so those are the main questions that you want to ask yourself. Okay, what we covered was what type of product do you have? What is everyone in your industry doing? How can I make it my technical documentation sort of fit in with that and be and stand out where it can but still stick to some sort of industry standard for what for my product? Who are your customers? What's their what are, what are they expecting? What type of experience are you trying to deliver and they expecting? Who's going to be responsible for maintaining and using this tool? What kind of docs do you currently have, and what kind of docs do you plan to have in six months to a year from now, and plan accordingly. So that pretty much wraps up the uh, the, the discussion on uh, technical documentation tooling and knowledge centers and knowledge bases, whatever you want to call. Them. There's a ton of names for these. Um, just make sure that you're concentrating on the right thing. Really, which is really my goal for my product is to enable my customers to quickly, successfully. Um, with as little friction as possible, succeed with the product. Make sure your tool and your documentation center accomplish that goal. For this week's LinkedIn segment, I actually have to laugh at this one. This one comes from um, JavaScript Developer Channel um, in, in in LinkedIn. And the picture is, uh, if you've seen Goodfellas, this one's of when they're at the club, but they're having drinks, laughing, and Ray Liotta's uh, jumping back, laughing. Uh, hilarious, hilarious picture. And the caption is... HR when you accept a company's first salary, okay so the the theme of this LinkedIn and um, time to retire uh, segment the the uh, the theme is etiquette so um, I can tell you as a hiring manager um, there have been candidates, especially candidates straight out of the army and younger candidates and they give when you ask them their salary requirements and they tell you and uh, there have been plenty of times where I said you know just so you know your, your market value is worth more than that, so you should probably be asking for more um, I think proper etiquette, it's not a gotcha game. Um, you know, you're trying to build relationships here. We hear that a lot, trying to build a culture. What kind of culture are you building this and that. And if there's an HR, uh, department, that's not trying to, you know, give you what you're worth or what you deserve. Um, like, like this says, it's pretty funny. I hope you see it sometime. Um, you really want to, you really want everyone to feel like they're making what they're worth and that's decided by the market decided by, you know, determined by what your company is making. So make sure it falls within that. Um, okay. So the time to retire, what is the word we are going to retire from LinkedIn? Ghosting. I don't know why. Okay. I understand what it is. Obviously, we all know what ghosting is. Um, just for those of you who don't know, um, let's say a, a recruiter reaches out to you and you say, yeah, yeah, let's let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And then you, you ghost them. You don't respond. Sometimes sometimes uh, employers and HR do this as well. I hate this term because um, let's be honest, you're not ghosting. You're just being an a-hole. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time. So thank you for joining us in this episode of the Word Up podcast. Uh, All of the information for contacting us will be in the description. Definitely send us questions, comments, what you liked, what you didn't like. And if you have any questions, we'll uh, anonymously, or if you don't want to be anonymous, however you prefer, uh, we'll go over those questions in the next episode.